You're listening to the official podcast of Church Untitled, located in downtown Vancouver. We are a community set apart to bear His name, in our city, for His glory. We hope that you're blessed and enriched by this message. We're going to read some scripture. 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 16 to 19. This is the Passion Translation. Now, before we read it, Peter is talking about the moment he saw with his very own eyes with a friend the transfiguration of Jesus Christ. They went up a mountain when Jesus was walking this earth as a man. They went up this mountain and Jesus transfigured. He, he changed, like the, his, his countenance, his appearance, everything about him changed. It was a beautiful thing. And beside him were two men, Moses and Elijah. And so Peter's recounting this moment. It's not a moment that he dreamt about. It's a moment that he actually saw with his eyes as a physical person. Second Peter chapter 1, verse 16, it says this, We were not retelling some masterfully crafted legend when we informed you of the power and appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ. For we saw his magnificence and splendor unveiled before our very eyes. Yes, Father God lavished upon him radiant glory and honor when his distinct voice spoke out of the realm of majestic glory, endorsing him with these words. Listen to that language. His father was endorsing him saying, this is my cherished son, marked by my love. I think some people need to hear that tonight, that God endorses you the very same way. You are my cherished son. You are my cherished daughter. You are very loved, marked by my love. All my delight is found in him. Verse 18, and we ourselves heard that voice resound from the heavens while we were with him on the holy mountain. Verse 19, and so we have been given the prophetic word, the written message of the prophets made more reliable and fully validated by the coming voice of God on the Mount of Transfiguration. What he's saying there is that the voice that we heard, the audible voice of God that we heard, confirmed what we had been reading for centuries and generations. There was nothing new that came in this voice. It was a confirmation of what they already knew. God was just confirming in that moment. So tonight, I think that the Lord wants to take us to a place of saying again what he's always been saying. I think we get caught in this enthusiastic nature. I'm an enthusiast by nature, which means I'm always looking for the next thing, some exciting adventure to go on. I want someone to flip the script on me like this and do something new tomorrow. I'm that guy. If someone called me, Herman, where you at, to go to like Paris tomorrow with them. In fact, this happened last year. They called me one day and they're like, let's go to LA tomorrow with the kids. Go to Disneyland. Me and Sarah were like, can we do it? We're like, yeah, let's go. In one day with little kids and we made it happen. And um, that's just my nature. And I think sometimes as believers, we're like that. God has told us things that he wants to sustain us for years and years and years to come. But we don't immediately get the fruit that we want out of that word. And so we look for another word. And we look for another word and we look for another word. But God is faithful to keep speaking But oftentimes, he's just going to say what he's always been saying. And we need to get into that place of recognizing the power in the words of God, the ones that have already been spoken. And so we finish verse 19. And Peter admonishes us and encourages us. And he says, and you will continue to do well. How many people want to do well? Come on, y'all. 
got someone from Tennessee in the house tonight, so I'm, he won't break out his accent, so I will. Come on, y'all. How many of you want to do well? You will do well. You will continue to do well if you stay focused on it. He's talking about the voice that you have heard of God. For this prophetic message, message from heaven, is like a piercing light shining in a gloomy place. It's talking about your heart. It's talking about your emotions. Until the dawning of a new day when the morning star rises in your heart. What Peter is saying is if you're going through a hard time, if there's darkness in your heart, if your mood is a little bit low, he's saying focus on what you've already heard from God. And as you continue to do that, your heart will rise like the morning sun. It's a guarantee from God. And we live in a city and in a world, and I walk in this world too, and so I'm speaking to myself, where our lives ebb and flow day in and day out. And for some of us, it's like 15 times in one day. The highs and the lows and the ups and downs. And like, God, can I find some consistency in life? Can one good day turn into two good days and three and four good days? Can I just like have a good life full of peace and joy, God? And in fact, I hear Peter saying that that's exactly what God wants to give you. But the way that we grab hold of that is by focusing on the words that have already been spoken to us in our lives. There's nothing wrong with hearing it again. In fact, we need to hear it again. But the point is, is that God's already spoken it to you. You will do well if you keep focused on it. So the question is this. What voice are you following? What voice are you listening to? Because we have so many voices in our life that lead us in different directions that don't look like the rising of the morning star in our hearts. Can I get a witness, anyone? So I don't know what your disposition is in this place today. I don't know how you find yourself, what the state of your heart is. But no matter where it is, God is calling us all to the same place into his joy, into his peace, into the identity that he has placed inside you as a child, as a daughter, as a son of God. The scriptures say that we'll cry out, Abba, Father, because of the spirit of adoption that he has brought us into, because we are no longer slaves to fear, but we are children of God. So it's your identity that then informs your disposition, not what's happening around you. And so we have a million different options to be led in any given day. I don't know if it's biological or psychological or sociological, one of those articles leading you somewhere in your life. But God has given you and I free will to choose in whom we trust, to choose the voice to follow. So the question is, if we have free will, does that mean we get to lead ourselves? Does that mean that we then have control on who we follow? Or is this just a product of our biology that things have been rewired or wired in our minds since before we were born? Then we, are, we have to go in this direction in our lives. I don't think so. And so Jesus gives us an amazing picture of his relationship with us. He calls us sheep and he calls himself the shepherd. He is the great shepherd, in fact. But the reason why he calls us sheep is because we have a tendency to wander. 
We have a tendency to go after different things and not where we're going. And so he looks at humanity and he says this. They're like sheep without a shepherd. Have you felt this way before? And so we read in John chapter 10. He says this in verse 2. He says, but the true shepherd walks right up to the gate. And because the gatekeeper knows who he is, he opens the gate to let him in. And the sheep recognize the voice of the true shepherd. For he calls his own by name and leads them out, for they belong to him. And when he has brought out all of his sheep, he walks ahead of them and they will follow him. For they are familiar with his voice. But they will run away from strangers and never follow them because they know it's the voice of a stranger. And Jesus told the Pharisees this parable, even though they didn't understand a word of what he meant. So we've just come off an incredible moment on Friday night, right? As a church, as a community, like this for me is a very pastoral message because we actually have to get down to how we move forward from where we were. Oftentimes, as believers, we have moments like a Sunday in our future that we can look forward to so that our lives can be encouraged in Christ, so things can move forward on Sunday. But a lot of times, Sundays are just recoveries from Monday to Saturday, where I need Sundays to pick me up and place me back where I was last week. And that's not a bad thing, but it's not the best thing. It's not incorrect, it's just incomplete. Scriptures say that Jesus wants to move us from strength to strength to strength. And sometimes the issues in moments like Friday night at Echo is that we're ramped up, we're, we're fasting, we're pursuing Jesus, and this is such a beautiful thing. But what happens when the night is over? God has called us to pursue him for moments, of course. And Friday is a moment, but he's also called us to pursue him in every moment. So he calls us sheep and he calls himself the shepherd. And he says, they will follow my voice because they know my voice. But another they will not follow because they're strangers and they're not me. So he's linking us and our identity and the leadership of our life to recognizing his voice. This is such a beautiful thing because if I am introspective and I see my soul, I see that it shifts all the time. And the only way to find myself in the pastures of life that God has called me to, the beauty of the life that he's placed within me, is by anchoring myself to someone who's not as fickle as I am, who's not as wavering as I am. And here comes Christ on the scene and he says, listen, you've tried your best thus far, but you do not know how to walk a straight line. You've tried and you've tried and tried. In fact, sheep, you cannot walk backwards. Have you tried? No sheep can't walk backwards. They can't. Nobody laughed at that. It's true. He's like, look at you guys. You can't walk backwards. You've tried to do well up to this point, and I'm encouraged with your effort, but what you actually need is a shepherd, and here I am. Here I am. And so John chapter 10, Jesus talks about a sheep fold. And a beautiful thing about Jesus, by dying, giving his life, shedding his blood, and being raised again, he now invites us into the fold, into the family. He says, you have a place, you have an identity, and it's in me. You're protected, you're treasured, you're placed 
by me. You're in the family. You have entrance now by the blood of the lamb. And so he takes us into this place and that's a moment where he has given his life for us. But the other side of the coin is this. As a good shepherd, he doesn't keep us in the pen. He leads us in, but then he leads us out. Psalm 23 says he leads us to green pastures. He makes us lie down in them. He leads us to beautiful still waters. And even though we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, we'll fear no evil because he is with us. This is beautiful because it tells us that God gave his life for us, but he also gave his life to us. Which means the life that he's called you to, the life of abundance, the life of beauty, the life of peace, the life of prosperity, the life of reconciliation and forgiveness. He supplied it in and of himself. He has all these things in him and he has given them to you. But the only way to walk in the life that he has given to you is by tethering yourself to him and following him through. So the reason I'm bringing this to us today is because we've had paramount moments in our life. But what happens after them? Do we continue to stay close to the shepherd? Do we go wandering off and doing our own thing, get hurt, and then have to come back to the shepherd? God wants us to tether ourselves to him. And so we review John chapter 4, I mean 10 verse 4. It says, and when he has brought out all of his sheep, he walks ahead of them and they will follow him for they are familiar with his voice. But they will run away, listen to this, from strangers and never follow them because they know it's the voice of a stranger. And so if I'm a sheep, it means this, that I am susceptible and I am vulnerable and I am open for attack all the time. But with a shepherd, whoever wants to attack me is not actually attacking me. He's coming after my God. He's coming after my savior. He's coming after my shepherd. I don't have to worry about what's coming my way. The wolves on their way because I know who I stand beside. My shepherd, my father who has a rod, who has a staff. See, it's the moments when we get strong and we feel good because we've been walking with Jesus and somehow in our minds, we feel good about ourselves. And we're like, I know this guy and I'm just gonna wander off here for a moment. That's when the crazy ideas come. That's when the moments of false identity come. That's when the, the, the strength that isn't found in Christ starts to creep up and say, I can handle this. And then we're left vulnerable and susceptible again because not walking to or with our shepherd. So here's the thing. Here's the tough word. This requires discipline. Discipline to stay with, to stay in step. Paul says that we got to stay in step with the Holy Spirit. The things of the Spirit are at enmity with the things of the flesh, which means that they can't go together. If God is calling you here, it means he's not calling you there. You can't have both. It's one or the other. If you choose to walk in your own direction, it might not be the direction that God has called you to. It might be a good direction, but it's definitely not the God direction. It might be self-preservation when God is calling you to lay your life down. And in laying your life down, you're going to find life. And Jesus says, when you try to save your life, you're probably going to lose it. And so discipline, we have to discipline ourselves back to the presence of our shepherd. I cannot expect the results if I'm not willing to create an environment that yields those results. 
We have to be honest with ourselves. God, why am I not receiving the benefits that you told me and you tell me in your word? Those benefits of following Christ come from following Christ, sticking close to him and next to him. I can't expect the benefits of the shepherd unless I am following the shepherd. And so I briefly just want to talk about his voice. I want to talk about what his voice indicates. We hear a lot about the voice of God, but I want, I want to talk about the comfort in the voice of God. Even you're hearing the words of God, but what's behind the words of God? What does it mean? When my son whispers in my ear, it means a lot more to me than the words that he actually says. There's value, incredible life change you value in the words of God, but I want to talk about the sound of the voice of God and what it actually means. So the first thing I want to tell you today, that, that the voice of God indicates his presence. It indicates his presence. It indicates that he's near. It indicates that he cares. It indicates that he's invested. It indicates that he is speaking to his child and he has drawn near to you. And in his presence, we get direction. In his presence, we get direction. Is there anybody in this place that is seeking direction from God in their lives? The place you find it is not distant from God. It is in the presence of God. It is in following a shepherd. See, sheep, their ears, they turn towards the direction of the sound of the voice. And so if I'm standing here and Jesus is standing there and he speaks to me, my ears shift over there and I know exactly where he is. And the beauty of direction in his presence is that he's already in the place that he's calling you to. We don't live in an echo chamber where he's speaking over there and the sound bounces over here. And I'm like, Jesus, you're telling me to go and go over here, smack my face on a wall. No, we go in the direction of the voice. If Andrew calls me, I move towards him because I know he's where his voice is coming from. He doesn't send us to a place that he isn't already present in. Wherever he calls you, he is there. When God gives you a direction from his presence, you don't have to fear that he's not going with you. He's calling you closer to him. And in his presence, there's protection. The scriptures say that he goes before. If Jesus goes before, it means he's taking care of things on the way. He moves through the issue before you go through the issue, which means you can trust that your father's already walked the path that he's called you to. David says, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. It's protection. The staff is the part where he guides us. We're walking off a little bit, and he puts it around our neck, and he says, come back. It's annoying. It feels abrasive. It's painful at times, but he pulls us back. And the rod is there when the wolf comes, and he cracks it over the head and says, you don't belong anywhere near my child. We don't know the things that God has protected us from in our life because we're drawn close to his presence and nothing of the enemy can get in that place. It's reserved for you and God. 
There might be times when you feel the attack of the enemy, but I'm telling you, there's exponentially more times that you actually haven't even felt the attempts of the enemy on your life because of the protection of your father. Can we just praise God in this moment? Come on. See, that's the beauty of what Andrew was leading us in in worship is that we're so focused on the one thing that's got through that God sometimes allows so that we might point to him for protection. But we need to start praising him for the millions of times that he's actually protected our life and we don't even know about it. Because of his truth, because of his goodness, we know these things. Do you have eyes in the back of your head? No, I don't either. Which means half of my life I can't even see. It's true. There's so many things that the Lord does on our behalf that we don't even know. Protection. In his presence, there's protection. In his presence, there is correction. For every mile of road, there's two miles of ditch. And a loving father does not want you to walk into a ditch, which means he needs to correct your path at times. You ever been swimming before and you think you're going super straight and you're like going like this? That's me right there. I think that's what we're like sometimes when we're, when we're trying to walk through life. Look at me go, mom. Look at me go, dad. I'm crushing it. Lifeguard, look at me. I'm doing it. And then lifeguard's blowing the whistle. Get it back in your lane. Get back there. And you're like, put your head up. You're like, how did I get over here? You like swam in a circle. The point is, thank God for correction. Thank God for correction because we're not going to fall in a ditch. Some of us just blow through the correction of God. We find ourselves in a ditch, and we're like, God, why'd you let me fall in this ditch? Can we be honest? Am I just speaking about myself here? Correction is direction. It's painful when you're rebuked. It's painful when you find out you've been doing it wrong. It's painful when you find out that thought you've had your entire life is actually not something you should build your life upon. The identity that you thought you had is leading you in this direction and God takes it from you and says, that's not what I've created you to be. The desires and thoughts that you had in your life, they thought you were taking somewhere, going to school, going to college to be in a, a, a degree, doing something beautiful. And God's like, nope, that's not what I've called you to. That's a painful experience. But thank God he's not letting you trade in something substandard. He's got goodness for you in your life. He's got greatness for you in his life. But you have to know how to find direction in the correction of God. Guess what? Sometimes he's going to use the people around you to do it. Woo! Like sandpaper, like friction. It's like, oh, that's gross. Someone just told me I was wrong. <sighs> but thank God for that. If we desire to grow, if we desire to get better, this, is, this needs to be encouraging to you. Someone tell me where I'm doing it wrong so that I can do it right. So these moments in our lives where we're walking off path, we're going somewhere dangerous, we're going off, and it's such a painful experience sometimes to get back onto that road, to get back to that place. It's humiliating at times, isn't it? Especially when the rebuke's a little bit public, especially when you fall on your face in front of your friends or your spouse or someone in your family. It's not fun. And so there's this beautiful picture, this metaphor of following a shepherd. And 
number of years ago. I've heard many preachers talk about it, so I'm going to be another preacher talking about it today because it points to Jesus in such a beautiful way. But in New Zealand, they've actually trained sheep in what the scriptures say to hear the voice of the shepherd. And so there's like big open fields and all the neighbor farmers, the shepherds, not farmers, shepherds would bring their sheep and graze on the same plot of land and all the sheep would intermingle and mix with each other. And it's like, how the heck am I going to get my sheep out of this big mess of sheep? And what would happen is the shepherd would go, one of five shepherds would go and shout, do a, uh, uh, I don't know, some whistle or something, or, hey, sheep, come over here, bat, whatever it is. Come follow me. And only the sheep from that fold, from that shepherd, would come out of that mess and start following the sheep, which means that sheep, as Jesus said, have trained their ears to hear the voice of their shepherd. But this only happens through proximity with your shepherd. You can't just distinguish the voice of God like this and say, hey, I just know it. You have to get in his presence and practice it. So when there's a million other voices coming, you can hear the frequency of your shepherd and leave the mess and go where God's called you to go. Because if everybody's in the same place, it doesn't mean it's the right place. Just because everybody's going over there doesn't mean your shepherd's leading you over there. You have to know the voice of your father to be led out from the mess into a beautiful pasture that he's called you to. I just thought of something funny. Sometimes the grass is greener on the other side. If it's the side God's leading you to. I'm going to preach for another 30 minutes now. Love you. So the point of this is... How they used to herd sheep is this. They would send dogs out to bite their heels. You're going in the wrong direction, and I'm going to send this Australian shepherd at your heels, and you're going to get nipped, so you go in the right direction. The beauty of a shepherd's voice is so that the sheep can obey the shepherd's voice so they don't have to get nipped. If you feel like you keep on getting nipped in your life, the thing that you need to do is train your ear to the voice of God so that you can move forward in obedience and avoid correction. Which way will you have it? God's going to lead you. Do you want to do it via correction or do you want to do it via obedience? Because obedience is the thing that allows God to take you where you need to go without discipline. He disciplines because we don't know how to obey. We're not shaped the way that he's called us to be shaped, and so he has to start shaping us. But if we allow obedience to do its work, we'll be shaped in the process. This is incredibly difficult for me to do, God, but I know you've told me to do it, so I'll do it. God knows you'll be shaped in that process. It's a hard process. It's a difficult process, but because God's calling you to it, he's already prepared the way for you. Is anybody getting anything today? Do we want to be nipped or do we want to obey? So remember, his voice indicates his presence. And I told you direction, protection, and correction in his presence. But his voice also indicates truth. We're in a, in a world that claims truth in so many different angles, in so many different ways. But what's true for you might not actually be the truth. So here's the thing about the truth. The truth is actually the standard in which we judge what is true. We hold what we believe is true up to the truth to find out if it measures. 
And so we may have a voice that sounds true in our minds about who we are, about what we've been called to, about where we need to go. It may sound like the realest thing in the world to you. But when you hold it up against the truth, you have to judge whether or not it is the truth. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Young person in this room today, there may be some things that are crossing through your mind a million miles an hour over and over and over in the day. And it sounds like the truth. It sounds like your own voice. It sounds so convincing. But when you hold that up to the shepherd's voice, everything that is not the truth must bow in the presence of your shepherd, in the presence of God. See, the frequency of God's voice is different than the frequency of every other voice in this world. And it may sound, it may come in English to you, and it may sound like your own voice, but the frequency will be different. The wave will be different. And when you place the wave, the frequency of God's voice, and superimpose it over the frequency of whatever voice is in your head, or in your family, or in your life, you'll know that is not my God, this is my God. You are beautifully and wonderfully made that you have a purpose, you have a destiny, and whatever you have done in your life thus far, good or bad, God can redeem it all. That's the truth. That's the beauty of God. Anything that says something other than that, that you have lost, that you have failed, is a lie. That you are not worthy, it's a lie that you have worked yourself out of the blessing of God, it's a lie. His grace is sufficient for you. His voice indicates truth. And as we get ready to worship again, about four minutes over, I tried. His voice indicates presence. His voice indicates truth. I was on the island recently. And my family, Ethan, Levi, and Sarah, we went to go watch the new Lion King. Anybody seen the new Lion King? Come on, hands. Come on, where's the car? Wow, you guys need to go. I was melting in my seat, man. I was like, <laughs> like, like, that's me crying. <laughs> <coughs> Tears don't actually come out, but I'm trying to hold them in, so I like having some sort of attack. <laughs> should just get over it and start crying. Huh? Just let it flow. There was a moment, there was a moment when um, Simba goes to, what is it called, the elephant graveyard. And he goes there, pretty cocky. He goes there with his father's name. I'm the prince. I'm the son of the king. I can be here and you can't touch me. The enemy started to surround, the hyenas started to come, and they're like, we've been waiting for this moment. You've stepped out on your own, and I've been waiting to eat you, eat you alive. There's a moment when Simba, good old Simba, stands up, this little dude, it's like little Levi or Ethan, standing up to a bunch of bullies. He says, you can't touch me. And he goes, rawr. <laughs> you guys remember this? Okay, let me ask you another question. How many of you guys seen the original? Okay, it's the same movie. I'm not telling anything new. And he goes, rawr. And they start laughing at him. Laughing at him. I don't know if you've experienced this before, where you try to stand up 
because of the name that's been given to you and you go into some dark places and do some things and you feel like the enemy's just laughing at you. You tried to put yourself out there. You tried to be who God's called you to be. You just feel everything's laughing at you. And so he tries it again and goes, Rawr. You guys, are, you heard me in the morning. I'm just going to get my roar going. He goes, Rawr. And then all of a sudden, when he tries it again, Mufasa behind him is like, Rawr. You guys are messing up my story. <laughs> the point is, his father came to his rescue. And when his voice came out, his father's voice came out. See, the thing about this story, the thing about this story is that Simba went in the name of his father. We all carry the name of our father. But he went, out, went outside the presence of his father. outside the protection of his father. He went into a place that his father told him not to go. So we get into this place where we're like, hey, we carry something special. We go out and do a thing. We go out and take some decisions in our own head. Like, ah, God, God might bless it. God might not bless it. The enemy starts to beat us up, right? We feel depleted. Like, God, you called me out to this thing. You called me. You said you got to have all of this. Whatever you ask in my name. I think we're going out sometimes in the name of our Father without our Father. Jesus says something really confusing in Scripture. He says this, it's better that I go. It's better that I actually leave so that I can send you the Holy Spirit. It's better for you that you actually have my presence with you wherever you go. So that when we go in the name of God, we actually have the presence of God with us. But when we consult our shepherd and follow his voice and his leadership, being the Holy Spirit in our lives, we'll know wherever we go, we actually have the authority and power of our Father to deal with whatever's in front of us. So the last thing I want to tell you is that his voice indicates victory. His voice indicates victory. If you have the voice of God in your life, you already have the victory. It's already been won. No matter what's in front of you, no matter what pain is inside of you, no matter the hill that you've been asked to climb, the victory is already yours in your Father because no one's messing with your Father. No one's messing with your shepherd. If you have his voice, you have victory. He's already won. The scripture says of Jesus, I hold in my hand the keys of death, hell, and the grave. Which means the place from which all evil is born, I've taken that place back. I already have the victory over it. So no matter what comes from that place, I've already dealt with the source. I need to be with my Father. I need to be in His presence because in His presence is truth. In His presence is protection. In His presence is victory. I need to be there. I need to know His voice because wherever I go, I stand on holy ground. Wherever I go, wherever my feet go, God has given to me because I walk with my Father. level of peace in your life will be in direct proportion to your consistency in Jesus. Period. 
Jesus says, abide in me, remain in me, and you will bear much fruit. What is fruit? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. The reason why he says abide and remain and not just come is because there's going to be a million things that try to keep you away from God from his presence, from being by his side. So what remain and abide actually mean when it gets tough, when there are distractions, when life pulls you in 50 different directions, when the lies come, those are the moments that we need to stay in our Father's presence. Thanks for listening to the Church Untitled podcast. Be sure to subscribe to stay up to date on our latest messages. For more about what's happening in our community, follow us on social media or visit us at churchuntitled.com.